Welcome to Pause to Consider, sometimes Talons and Beaks, with Alyssa Lakota, a registered veterinary nurse who works with wildlife and domestic species. Thanks for joining me for today's episode about nuisance animals, or are they simply misunderstood? Who are some of these animals, you ask? Bears, mountain lions, wolves, coyotes or coyotes, raccoons, skunks, opossums, and more. Each of these critters serves a purpose in our ecosystem. However, they are often destroyed due to interaction with humans, pets, or taking up residency somewhere in your home like the basement, attic, under the porch, or crawl space. You get the picture. Bears, mountain lions, and wolves, major predators, necessary for restoring and maintaining balance in our ecosystem. They take out weak, injured, sick animals competing for food sources with other healthy wildlife. They force the migration of some species who would otherwise abandon those paths if left without competition, which in turn would cause other species to die out due to lack of food. We have witnessed the proof of how vital major predators are. For example, the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone National Park. And if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, Google it. There's a ton of videos demonstrating their amazing contribution. But I'm supposed to be talking about there being a nuisance, although... Really, they are simply misunderstood. Okay, there's a saying, a fed bear is a dead bear. You can apply that saying to just about any wildlife animal. Years ago, I met a man who was excited to show a picture of a black bear that kept coming around his back porch because the man was feeding it donuts. The man then proceeded to tell me that the bear became a problem, so he shot it between the eyes, killing it. There is so much wrong with this scenario, and you can bet I gave him a piece of my mind in addition to instructing him never to feed wildlife again. He was 100% responsible for that unfortunate death. Had he left the bear alone, it would have likely meandered away, provided he didn't have garbage or other food sources outdoors to entice the bear. In turn, the bear would not have become a problem, and the bear would have continued to live. Now, in some states, you can hunt bears and wolves even while they are sleeping in their dens or nursing their young. And to all of those hunters, I call you weak, the weakest of the weak. After all, it's not like you are eating bear, mountain lion, or wolf meat. This meat isn't even used in wildlife rehabilitation because almost nothing will eat it. So why destroy them? Trophy hunting? Because you have cattle and sheep to protect? Let's face it, there are steps we can take to ensure their safety. Is it 100% effective? Not necessarily, but there is government funding to assist in the cost of loss. Anyway, I'll save this debate for another time. We are here to discuss how to deal with so-called nuisance animals. But before we get to the what-to-do information, let's quickly move through some of the other animals mentioned. Coyotes, or coyotes. (laughs) A coworker turned me on to an amazing book that provides a lot of scientific research about the coyote. Coyote America by Dan Flores. Check it out. And I'll provide you a link if you care to learn more about this misunderstood animal. There are claims that coyotes are an invasive species in many states. But if you look at their migratory path over decades, they follow human migration. In fact, they are the only other species that has migrated the way humans have. Where there's humans, there's food. Where there's food, there's coyotes or coyotes. They are savvy survivalists. 
There's also a misconception that they are out to eat our pets. Okay, they can, and they will, but if they were the food source that they were after, entire neighborhoods would be decimated, completely wiped out of their dogs and cats. Approximately 1% of pets do disappear to coyotes, but they mainly consume rodents and carcass remains. Perhaps it has more to do with our leaving our pets outdoors unattended or not paying attention to our surroundings. People get upset when their cat disappears, and rightfully so. It could be due to a coyote, but it could be due to something else, another animal perhaps, or hit by a car, or catnapped by someone thinking it was lost. That said, we've all heard stories of someone with their dog on a leash being snatched away, and that is truly unfortunate and sincerely sad. This is where remaining diligent may prove imperative. If you see a coyote, haze it, yell at it, scare it away. Hazing goes a long way in protecting your pets and those belonging to others. I, like you, don't want to lose a pet to wildlife, but hopefully you'll feel less threatened knowing that coyotes are not specifically hunting your pets. They are hunting available food sources, and sometimes our pets are in their path. But remember, 1% loss to coyotes. So I ask you, nuisance, misunderstood, or mistreated? Honestly, who is at fault? The animal trying to survive? I would sooner blame myself. Raccoons. Ugh, I love them. They are smart little devils. They eat small rats and rodents, keeping your yard free of pests. This helps to keep snakes out of your yard too, for those of you afraid to encounter them. Raccoons also eat fruits and veggies, and as a result, they spread seed throughout the environment but they too will enjoy the scraps remaining in your garbage if left outdoors. Skunks, they eat small rodents and other pests such as various larvae, wasps, and beetles, and the remains of dead animals, much like our coyote friends. Opossums, they consume ticks, lots and lots of ticks. They are great to have around. I mean, who wants Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain spotted fever? Not me. Let the opossum live. They are incredibly beneficial. They consume slugs and snails and other creepy crawlies that destroy your gardens and crops. Now, some horse owners are quick to kill the opossum due to EPM, equine protozoal myeloencephalitis. However, there is a high rate of success in curing a horse with EPM with early detection and treatment. UC Davis did a control study where they gave half doses of diclazoril, which is a medication often used in the treatment of EPM, to see if they could help prevent EPM. And it seems to be effective, but I will not deviate from the topic at hand. Instead, I will provide you a link if you want to learn more about UC Davis's findings. So hopefully by now you can appreciate the benefits of having these so-called nuisance animals around. I hold us 100% responsible for leaving garbage outdoors and accessible. I hold us 100% responsible for leaving dog food and cat food out, an attractant not only to those that you want to feed, but to other critters savvy enough to take a free meal when offered. It's not like you can post a sign that says, hey opossums, this is for cats and dogs only, go away. Besides, they have terrible eyesight and they can't read. I just, of course, but you know what I'm saying. It's like expecting wolves, bears, and mountain lions and every other wild animal on the planet to stay within certain perimeters, which is unrealistic, especially considering how drastically we have encroached upon their habitat. Now, let's get to the part. 
what to do if one or all of these animals takes up residency in your home. Years ago, I moved into a tiny cabin that was dubbed Skunk Hollow for a reason. Long story short, this tiny cabin was once the chicken coop to the main house, but later converted into a tiny home. Yep, I lived in a chicken coop. And when I moved in there, there was a family of skunks living underneath the home. I called a wildlife rehabilitation facility and they gave me the best advice ever. It was suggested I pick up a bottle of ammonia, shred rags into strips, saturate them in the ammonia, and place those rags in open spaces and crevices where skunks and other critters could easily access the underside of the home. Well, the skunk family moved out and never returned. It also kept the home free of other unwelcomed animals. This is an inexpensive approach to wildlife management on your property, as so many animals are repelled by the smell of ammonia. You may need to reapply from time to time, but it beats the alternative. What's the alternative? Pest control removal. Now here's the thing. Most pest control companies do not relocate an animal. They may tell you they will, but they don't. Perhaps some do, but very rarely. And the problem is that these animals have a specific range of habitat that is familiar to them, and they know how to survive within that range. If they are released elsewhere, they often starve to death or are killed by another species competing for food and shelter. Additionally, if pest control does capture and release an animal elsewhere, what if that animal had a baby? Now, not only is the mother going to starve and likely unable to find her way back to your home, but her baby will starve to death too, unless you contact a wildlife rehabber, and then we have the responsibility of trying to keep an infant alive while also trying to teach it how to hunt and survive, and that is not an easy task. Their mothers are their best chance of survival, and I know you've heard me say that before. Now, Let's say pest control does not relocate an animal and instead destroys them. How do they destroy them? Oftentimes, drowning or poison, which wreaks havoc on other wild animals as well as domestic species. They are not licensed veterinarians with access to humane euthanasia solutions. So please think about this when and if you find an animal living somewhere you don't want them to live. I encourage you to attempt the non-invasive approach, giving that animal the will to relocate due to the smell of ammonia, as well as the time necessary to move out. Bear in mind, it could take a few weeks, especially if they are nursing or have babies to relocate. I mean, mama needs to find a new home, then return to your place to retrieve all of her little ones, which she may or may not be able to do in one trip. Now, once you're certain they are gone, then you can seal those openings or every so often saturate rags with ammonia. Another thing I want to mention about the relocation of wild animals, bearing in mind they have a certain range where they survive. As a rehabber, we release wildlife within a certain range of where they were found to give them the best chance of survival. And again, if you take an animal outside of their natural, familiar range, you are setting them up for failure. Typically, that range is less than a mile. So bring in your garbage until it's time for pickup. Bring in the cat food, the dog food, and other attractants. Place ammonia-saturated rags around your property in areas of concern. Reapply as needed and give all of the critters time 
to move out and to relocate their babies. Then seal those crevices once you're sure they have left and be aware that they are contributing to making a drastic difference in the restoration and protection of our environment. They all serve a purpose. They are simply misunderstood and underappreciated, but not anymore, right? Thank you for listening to another episode of Pause to Consider, Sometimes Talons and Beaks. Until next time, tune in, tune out, just don't pass out.